Hi, everybody. Welcome. It is Boxing Day today. It's time to, uh, well, perhaps reflect on the hustle and bustle of Christmas. I'm not sure why we call it Boxing Day. Maybe because uh, after unwrapping all the presents, there's a lot of boxes around and we have to recycle them. Or maybe we call it Boxing Day because of all the fights that break out among children as they tr scramble to discover whose toy belongs to whom. So uh, I'm not sure, but it is Boxing Day. And uh, we're beginning a brand new series called Bless Your Neighbor. And we have a book that we want to recommend to you to read. And it's called Bless, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor by Dave and John Ferguson. And this series will be roughly based on uh, this book, which is a really helpful tool to help us understand how to love or bless our neighbors. You know, the scripture teaches us that we are blessed so that we can bless others. We see this even in the book of Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this challenge that you give us to be a blessing in our neighborhoods, to be a blessing to our friends, to be a blessing in our families. Thank you, Lord, that uh, your word uh, stands true, that your word speaks into our lives today. Enable us, Lord, to be a blessing. Enable us to love people as you would have us love them and to see really good results come from the fact that we are investing in people's lives and we are loving on them as you would have us love on them. Open up great conversations in our neighborhoods as we go through this series and as we learn to be a blessing. In your name we pray. Amen. So God intends for his people to be a blessing to others. That text I read, I think the word bless, blessed, or blessing is used five times as Abraham is encouraged to, to leave his homeland and to go to the promised land. He's promised that God will bless him and that he or his offspring or his people will be a blessing to the rest of the world because God always wants to bless us so that we bless others. This is not just something that we're taught in Sunday school to do. I, I think this is enabled, Holy Spirit enabled. I, I think it's innate to a follower of Jesus, to someone who's given their life to Jesus, to be, want to be a blessing to others. I, I remember one of the first things that I felt when I first committed my life to Jesus was a concern for others, that uh, I would bless them or that, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Of course, Jesus taught us to love our neighbor, and, and that's really a way to bless them. We bless our neighbor by loving them as Jesus instructed. In the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus talks about the identity of the neighbor. And the story is of a man who's beaten and thrown into a ditch, and while well, he's uh, struggling in the ditch and, and uh, uh, perhaps suffering and uh, in need of uh, some medical help, Several people walk by and show him no concern, except for a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan wasn't someone who usually would associate with a Jew. Uh, you would expect them to walk by. But he gave out of his own resources and helped the man and took him to an inn and, and cared for him. And the question that Jesus asked the crowd was, who was the neighbor to the man? 
And the answer, of course, was the one who had mercy on him, even though that person would normally have been perceived to be uh, hostile, perhaps an enemy to a Jewish person, as the Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. Uh, because he showed mercy, he was a neighbor. So Jesus is helping us to understand that neighbors are those in need of mercy, and neighbors are those who show mercy. And so the scripture is teaching us and challenging us to be a blessing, to, to love our neighbor. Uh, the people next door are a great place to start when we think of uh, neighborly love. And, uh, and, and I think all of us as followers of Jesus have put some thought into how we might reach out and love our neighbor, our next door neighbor, the people who live in the, on the block where we live, perhaps in the apartment building, or the townhouse complex, or, or just across the street. And, and we think at times about our verbal witness, and, and we try to talk about Jesus to our, to our friends next door, and, and sometimes we stumble a bit, and sometimes we feel guilty because we haven't quite said what we hope we said, or we couldn't quite explain what we were hoping to explain. We also think in terms of loving kindness, and, and we try to do nice things for our neighbors, perhaps uh, cut their grass if they're away, perhaps uh, help them with their lawn watering, perhaps help them if they've got an outside project and we just kind of wander over and pick up a shovel and help them do whatever they're doing. And so I, I think as followers of Jesus, these things are innate. We just, we just want to love on our neighbor and, and we try to do things, but, but we're often feeling guilty because we don't do enough or because we don't get the result that we were hoping to get. Well, this whole series that we're in, this series that we're calling Bless Your Neighbor, is really a series intended to help us to really uh, make a difference in our neighborhood, make a difference in our neighbor's lives. Now, I think, first of all, we need to remember that only God can change people's hearts. We cannot convert people. It's God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that does the work of conversion in our lives. We can, we can simply aim at blessing people or loving people rather than converting people. I uh, read in our, in our book that we're recommending by Dave and John Ferguson a story about a fellow who was doing his uh, doctoral dissertation. And he did a two-year study of people, missionaries, actually, in Thailand. And, and one group of missionaries was sent out with the objective to convert the people of Thailand, to, to share the message of Jesus Christ, to endeavor to get them to make commitments to Jesus Christ through their preaching and their teaching and, and through their Bible study and through their interaction with people. Another group of missionaries was instructed that they were just to go and bless people through giving them aid of some kind, perhaps it was food aid, or perhaps it was uh, help with uh, buying uh, supplies for micro uh, projects that they might be involved with. So these two groups worked over two periods of time, one endeavoring to convert to Christianity and one endeavoring simply to bless the community in Thailand. And after two years, the group that was endeavoring to convert had one convert to Jesus Christ, one convert to, to say that they would become part of the church. They had been baptized. The blessing group, the group that just intended to bless people, actually had 48 conversions over that same time span. So the result really shows us the importance of us being a blessing. Rather than trying to convert people, let's try to bless people. We can love people with our lives, not just with our words, but with our lives. Uh, and think about what neighbors want. What does your next door neighbor want? Well, I, I think they want, it to be, they want to be listened to without judgment. I think they want to be able to draw their own conclusions about truth and about life. 
I've, I think they want to have friends. I think particularly in our culture today and what's going on in the world today, people are desperate to find friends, to find community, to find belonging. And you know what? They also want to hear your story. Because when you bless people, when you're kind to people, when you show them loving kindness, when you go out of your way to befriend them, they want to hear your story. They want to, they want to listen to what you have to say. So bless your neighbors. So this series is about bless. Uh, begin with prayer. And L stands for listen to their story. E stands for eat with them. S stands for serve them. And the last S stands for storytelling, to tell your story to them. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be dealing with each of those topics as we go through this series on blessing our neighbor. I want us to note that even Jesus had to begin with prayer. In Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 12 to 16, the gospel says this, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he had also designated apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Well, here's how to start to be a blessing to your neighbor. Learn the names of your eight nearest neighbors. Now, sometimes we live in, in neighborhoods for quite a while, and we don't get to know even the names of our neighbors. So what I'm asking us to do over these next few weeks is to learn the names of our neighbors. Perhaps you want to even drop a little map and put it on your fridge with your neighbor's name on it so you remember to pray for them. And then set apart some time uh, to focus on prayer for your neighbors and, and, and pray for them by name as you think of them and as you think about their daily routines and you think about their family situations. Maybe even get to know the names of children or grandchildren that are, that are in those households or belong to those family groups. Note how Jesus found such a diverse group in his neighborhood. Uh, and, and crazy things happen when we pray. Uh, people from all kinds of different backgrounds come to know Jesus when we pray for them and, and come to be interested in hearing our stories. Jesus found fishermen, uh, Peter, James, and John. Uh, Jesus found a tax collector, Matthew. Jesus found a zealot, Simon. The zealots were interesting characters. Uh, they were in it uh, in it to basically destroy the Roman Empire and kill anybody who sympathized with the Roman Empire. And here, uh, Simon and, and a tax collector would not have gotten along well, naturally. But in the disciples, under the tutelage and, and, and leadership of Jesus, they became uh, fellow apostles. And you see, it's important that we don't write people off. Some of your neighbors may seem a bit odd. Some of them may have uh, strange behaviors. In fact, sometimes our, our neighbors, you know, truthfully, sometimes our neighbors can irritate us with, with perhaps uh, barking dogs or perhaps uh, making a mess in, in, in our yard or, in, or around our home and perhaps... Perhaps maybe they have a noisy bike, a motorcycle that they're starting up early in the morning. Uh, but what happens with, with people of blessing is that we learn to overlook these things and we learn to bless them and love them anyway. And this diverse group of people that Jesus brings together uh, love each other and become 
what, bonded together in, in fellowship, in, in, a, in a common concern to spread the gospel as they, as they become uh, disciples. So it's important not to write people off, to, to see people and say, oh, they, they wouldn't want to be my friend. I, I don't even know if I can even talk to them. I don't know if we have anything in common. It's surprising how people who, who sometimes seem so rough on the exterior uh, are really soft on the inside and open to uh, hearing us and open to befriending us. You'll find a diverse group in your neighborhood. Expect the unexpected when you begin with prayer. The most unlikely people come to know Jesus and are open to hearing our stories and are open to being loved and befriended. You never know what the Holy Spirit is doing below the surface. I have found it always so surprising when, when people have uh, approached me and, and, and sometimes people learn that I'm a pastor and, and approach me and surprise me that they, they want to hear something that I might have to say that would help them. And, and uh, maybe I've just seen them as someone who's perhaps at a distance and perhaps would have no interest in spiritual things or in the church or in the gospel. Don't be shocked by who God might bring into your circle as you learn to bless your neighborhood. Jesus withdrew to pray several times during his earthly ministry. Uh, perhaps you've noticed, but uh, Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry, even be before he began his public ministry in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, he withdrew into the wilderness to fast and pray. And then in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, when the crowds began to flock to him, Jesus again withdraws to pray. In Luke chapter 9, verse 28, at the transfiguration before heading to Jerusalem for the last time. This is the time when uh, Jesus goes with a couple of disciples uh, up onto a mountain and they see an appearance of Elijah and Moses and they're overwhelmed by the presence of God and, and uh, basically they get a little glimpse into the deity of Jesus. Uh, this was in preparation for heading to Jerusalem for the last time. And then in Luke chapter 22, Jesus separates himself to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his arrest. Each time Jesus separated himself to pray in preparation for his next phase of ministry. So we see this in the pattern in Jesus's life, that, that before he was beginning a new pattern of ministry or facing a new challenge or beginning a new endeavor, he separated himself to pray, to focus on prayer. Now, what was he praying about? Uh, he was praying so that his soul, so that his heart would be prepared for this next phase of the journey. Remember that Jesus was entirely human, and he needed to have the Holy Spirit's enablement, help, and he needed to prepare himself for the challenges that he would face in this next phase of ministry. Prayer changes us. Well, we've often heard that prayer changes things, but I think even more than prayer changing things, prayer changes us. Prayer changes us from the inside out. And so one of the most important reasons for us to spend time in prayer is this new season of our lives, as this opportunity comes before us through the series to, to begin to bless our neighbor, is to prepare our own hearts, to make sure our hearts are ready for what the Holy Spirit might be doing in our neighborhood, among our friends who live near us. Prayer changes us. Jesus often fasted when he prayed. And, and fasting basically is abstaining from food 
for a period of time. Now, it could be certain foods that we are abstaining from or all food for a period of time. In fact, come to think about it, I'm fasting right now. I'm fasting from Brussels sprouts. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I don't eat Brussels sprouts. Uh, they give me a gag reflex when, whenever I even smell them. But uh, fasting is, is setting aside food that we normally eat for a period of time. Or fasting may be setting apart all food for a period of time. Uh, the Muslim people fast at Ramadan, and they don't, by fasting for them, it means they do not eat a meal until after sunset. The early church fasted quite often. They fasted, uh, depending on what area of the, early, of the early church, they fasted sometimes on Wednesdays, sometimes on Fridays. Sometimes they fasted through Lent, uh, which is the 50 days prior to Easter, and they would give up certain foods for that period of time. Uh, the early church also often fasted on Fridays from meat and uh, didn't eat meat on Fridays. And this is a tradition that was developed in the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, where I grew up in eastern Canada, uh, we only ate fish on Fridays. We didn't eat meat. And it wasn't because we were Roman Catholic, although the Roman Catholics uh, taught that. We did it to help the uh, fishing industry and to support uh, fishermen in the area. So fasting has been a tradition that's been going on in the church for centuries since the beginning of the church. And it's a way, again, for us to help focus our minds and our hearts on prayer. Uh, fasting is really what we call a soul exercise. Some people call these uh, spiritual disciplines. It helps to keep our physical appetites from controlling us. It is really a, an antidote to what? Sensualism, uh, a tendency to follow our, all of our uh, physical appetites. Because as you know, if we're not careful, our body will dictate just about everything rather than our heart or our mind or our soul dictating how we should live. So fasting is really a way of helping us to bring under control our physical passions, our, our desires, and, and to exercise uh, the freedom of the Holy Spirit to lead us. And so I would encourage you during this time of, to begin with prayer, to not only begin with prayer, to begin with fasting. Maybe there's a favorite food you might want to give up, or maybe a meal that you might, might want to miss, so that you focus your heart, focus your attention on prayer to bless your neighbor. So bless your neighbors. Get to know their names. Begin with prayer. Get ready for the unexpected. When we pray, God does unexpected things, both in our lives and in the lives of the people who live in our neighborhood. Love people with your life, not just with your words, but with your life. And look for opportunities to bless people. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for this new series in that we can learn to bless our neighbors. Lord, thank you that uh, you have the responsibility of converting people. We can't convert people. We can only bless them and follow the leading of your spirit in their lives. So help us to be faithful. Help us to focus time and energy on prayer, even to fast, Lord, and, and to make sure that uh, we are in control of our physical appetites so that we are ready and prepared to follow your Holy Spirit's leading. Lord, I pray for um, people in my neighborhood. I, I pray for the people that we have been praying for for years, and we have been having some spiritual conversations with people in my neighborhood. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you would give us more opportunities to pray. I pray that you would open our eyes to see those opportunities, and that you would fill us with um, kind and loving things to do and to say so that people would find us 
to be a blessing. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Here's a question for you to consider over the next minute or so. Would you consider fasting and praying for someone in your neighborhood today or tomorrow? Uh, do it right away. It's, it's good to do these things while you're uh, thinking about them rather than say, well, I'll do that later. But perhaps even today, would you fast and would you pray for someone in your neighborhood and then watch to see how God might open opportunity for you to be a blessing to them? I'll come back in a moment with a concluding comment. I've discovered that connection with our neighbors varies with our life cycle. When you have little kids, you are far more involved in your neighborhood. You meet your neighbors at school in the lineups. You, you meet your children's uh, parents and their families. And, and when your kids are small, you'll find that, that this is a time in your life where you have way more connection to your neighbors, to the families in the neighborhoods, to the, the kids that are in school with your kids, to the parents. And uh, you just with parent-teacher meetings and with uh, noon hour activities that you might be, be involved with, it's just a really uh, cool time in your life if you have little kids to be involved in your neighborhood. Then when your kids get older and they begin to attend middle school and high school, it's a little more difficult. Then you tend to be in connection with uh, the friends of your teenagers who they bring them home and, and then you get to know them. But it's a little more difficult, except perhaps it's sports activities, to meet the parents of, of your teenage children. And then when you're empty nesters, it's a whole different story. It is even more difficult, and you have to be far more intentional to get to know your neighbors because you lose that connection that you once had through your children. And so intentionality is the key. It's about saying, you know what, I'm going to get out there. I am going to be more intentional about getting to know the names of the people in my neighborhood. I want to be more intentional about praying for them. I don't want to be more intentional about blessing them as, your, as the Holy Spirit leads us. And so this is what we would like to begin to do in our particular communities, no matter where you live. It's an apartment, perhaps, or a townhouse, or a little subdivision, wherever you may live. Let's learn to be a blessing in our neighborhood, and let's begin with prayer. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Our doxology for this series, found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen. So be it.